So we are following uh, our, our lessons in 2 Timothy. We're going to be doing that uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 through 13. And just by way of context, uh, Timothy, as, as Tommy already mentioned earlier this morning, is kind of uh, being mentored by Paul. Paul is in prison. Uh, actually, Paul has no real hope that he's going to be released. All of his appeals have kind of failed at this point. And so he's simply trying to communicate to Timothy what he needs to do as a young pastor in a very difficult church situation. And so these are, in a sense, his last words uh, to Timothy as a pastor. Uh, There is a point in which Timothy probably hopes to go see Paul before he's executed. But this is, these are last words that Paul is speaking. And so what we're going to read this morning uh, is just a little bit more of that, and particularly regarding Timothy's endurance, because he's in such a difficult situation, Paul wants to encourage him to hang in there and persevere. So I'll be reading 2 Timothy 2, 8 to 13. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound, Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Let's ask God to guide us as we think about this. Lord, we pray that you would take these words and that you would work in our hearts. We don't want to be the same when we leave than we were when we came in. And we ask, Father, that by your grace and your Spirit's work in our lives, that would be true. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So some of you know that I am the cross-country coach at Philmont Christian Academy. Yes, believe it or not, uh, I am. And uh, we have a number of runners uh, that run with us. Uh, If you don't know what cross-country is, it's basically what it sounds like. You run across the country, you go up hills, you go down hills, you run around obstacles, all those kinds of things. The only thing that's common about each course is it's 3.1 miles long. So it takes some endurance to do that. It's not a glory sport. You've never seen a cross-country runner on the front page of Sports Illustrated. You've probably never heard of a cross-country runner that signed a multi-million dollar contract. And our assistant coach often repeats the words, our training is another sports punishment. So if you don't hustle around the soccer field, you have to run. Uh, If you don't uh, work hard on the basketball court, you have to run wind splints wind sprints. We do that all the time. Uh, recently, I was running with one of our runners. He's new this year, and I've been trying to spend a little bit of extra time with him because he has a, a good work ethic, and he's doing really well. And we were running up a hill a couple weeks ago, and he said, this is hard. And I could say nothing but, yeah, it is hard. Uh, I mean, why do we do it? I got nothing. 
I got nothing. I don't know why we do it. He, well, I do it because he shows up to practice every week. And he does it because I show up to practice every week. And that's why we run. But it's all about endurance. This is hard. And that's what Timothy, that's what Paul is saying to Timothy as he shares the gospel in his church and to people beyond that. This is hard. This is hard. There are all kinds of things that make it hard. People who have given up and left the church because it was too hard for them. Government, opposition. A culture that doesn't value the the things that Christ values. Christians in this age were accused of rebellion, atheism. Some of the leaders were jailed. Others were executed. That's what was going to happen to Paul. And Tacitus, a Roman historian, talks about Christians being lit on the walls of Rome as torches for their punishment. This is hard. This is not easy stuff. So what is so worth the effort, the endurance, the perseverance? And the answer to that is the gospel, the good news. This is the truth that is worth it all. 2 Timothy 2, 8 says it this way, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, offspring of David, is preached in my gospel. And actually, if we were to look at 1 Corinthians 15, you would find Paul talking about the gospel in a little different way, talking about how Jesus was crucified for our sins, just as the scripture said he would. Jesus raised from the dead, just as the scripture said he would be. And what Paul says here in this verse 8 in Timothy is really shorthand for what he says in Romans 1. This is how he opens his letter to the Romans. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. If you notice a theme here, the Scriptures keep coming up and God fulfilling those Scriptures and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. And so one of the things that we learn in this passage is that God is faithful to his word. He's faithful to his promises. He's faithful to do what he says he will do. He said that he would bring a Messiah, an anointed one, a Christ, who would deliver his people from their sins. And he's done it in Jesus. He said that this person would be a a descendant from David, King David, who was the king over his people. And Jesus, in the flesh, is the descendant of David, who is king over his people forever. He was resurrected from the dead, declared with power to be the Son of God. He is the one that God has raised in order that others might see that he is the divine Redeemer. He's declared to be powerful, to bring back the dead from life. And if we think about this, if we really take a moment to think about this and not simply repeat it, this is what we're actually saying. When believers stop breathing in this age, there's going to come another time when they'll start breathing again. They'll take up their life again. When a believer's heart stops beating and someone buries you in the grave, 
there's going to come a time when you're going to be raised and your heart will start to beat again forever. So why does Paul endure? Because this is the hope for all the nations. This is the promise of life forevermore. No guilt, no conflict, no pain, no stress. Nothing that irritates us in this world. Contentment in Jesus, knowing him. He is the fulfillment to the word of Abraham, that through him all the nations will be blessed. And we see that be happening. That as the people of God have spread out over history, his name has been known and churches have been started in almost every corner. This is what we are here for. Why we go through the weariness and the struggle. If you only think you're here to soak up God's blessings, you're missing so much. God wants to use you for so much more. To bring other people to know him. To see the glory of God and to worship him. And this is Jesus' motivation for going to the cross. The joy that he held out for. That he endured the cross in order that he might bring his people to himself. But he's faithful beyond keeping his promises. He's the one who actually makes them happen. It isn't as if Jesus went to the cross and died on the cross and was raised again and ascended into heaven, and then it's up to us from now on. It's not at all what Paul has in mind here. Paul has a role here as a believer in Jesus, and he's trying to fulfill that role. And right now, that means that he's chained as a criminal. And the Greek word means violent criminal. This is not petty thought theft that he's accused of. He's accused of being a violent murderer or a rebel, rebel or a lawless person. At the end of Acts, we see Paul in prison, but there he's basically under house arrest. He has a lot of freedom. There's people that come and go all the time. But now Paul is actually chained, and you can hear the disdain as he talks about his current situation. He's innocent. The only thing he is guilty of is speaking the word of Christ. Once you're in this state, you can no longer hope for freedom. Paul knows that. He knows that his death is awaiting him. He's being treated like those who hung on the cross next to Jesus. Probably even better, he's being treated like Jesus himself. Innocent and hung on a cross. But God won't let his word stop there. He won't let his word be changed or silenced. God is faithful to see that his word spreads even when his servants are limited. Philippians 1, verses 12 through 14 say say this, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word of God without fear. And Paul goes on to talk about how even some of those who oppose him, who are jealous of him, are preaching the gospel out of jealousy. And Paul responds to it this way, just a few verses later, What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that, I rejoice. God even uses jealous sinners to spread the good news of life 
so that it will continue to go out. Paul knows that he is not indispensable. None of us are. Because God is the one that continues to push it out. He will find his ambassadors, his messengers, his other means that he uses to bring people to himself. In the words of Martin Luther, the body they may kill, God's truth abideth still, God's word abideth still, his kingdom is forever. Throughout world history, we've seen this happen again and again. In the 1940s, when the communists took over China, they expelled all the Western missionaries that were there and killed a number of them. And then they severely persecuted all the believers that were there. And for 30 years, we heard nothing. Nothing. China was closed off. And people thought, we'd have to start all over again. This would be the second time that China had believers and then completely exterminated Christian faith. But instead, when the doors opened up, there were thousands and thousands of house churches that were dotting the country. This is the power of God in his people. The church which claims its own King Jesus reigns, King King Jesus, who reigns over all the earth, is always the enemy of the state in some way. I don't know whether any of you have seen a magazine called The Voice of the Martyrs. Uh, We get it every month. We didn't ask for it, and quite truthfully, when it comes, it sits on the dining room table, usually for several days. And then I get up and I get my cereal in the morning, and there's nothing else to read. And so I finally get up the courage to open it up and read. And I know what I'm going to find there as I read through it. I'm going to find stories about believers who are suffering terribly that are under great persecution and duress and are still there spreading the good news of Jesus Christ because they know what it means for others. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4.10, we are always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our bodies. And so while Paul faces death, he calls Timothy to endure because all those God wants to save will be saved. That's his promise. That is guaranteed, and it's guaranteed for the good of the world. But God is also faithful to us in the middle of all of that. Paul explains this in a poem that maybe he composed himself or somebody else did, but he included it in the letter here to Timothy. It starts verses 11 through the first part of 12. He says this, The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with Christ, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. And what enables us to endure is God's future promises for us. He pictures us as being united with Christ, united in his death, united with him in being raised again. We died on that cross with Jesus. We spiritually died to our old way of life and have been raised again with him now. And there's the promise that one day we will be raised and be with him forever. We will live with him. Uh, Paul almost repeats words verbatim from another letter that he wrote uh, to the Romans, chapter 6, verses 5 and 8. For if we have been united with him in a death like this, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. 
What awaits us is resurrection, a new life with him. If we don't appreciate this, if we, we won't be able to endure for the gospel, or if we don't comprehend it, we won't be able to endure until we've given up on this life as a lost cause in this world. We can't be attracted to the new age ahead of us. There's something far better ahead of us that is worth giving our lives for now. Knowing that it is coming is what gives us the endurance to pursue Christ in whatever situation where we are now. I'm not uh, a big Avengers fan, but I have to tell you that I watched Avengers, Avengers Endgame. And actually, yeah, <laughs> some people are clapping, yeah. So, uh, good story. And uh, so if you haven't seen it, I won't tell you so much that it's not worth watching it. But in the beginning of the story, uh, the Avengers are trying to come together because of Thanos' big snap, which killed half the population of the world, of the universe. And so they have to convince each other, one by one, that it's really worth coming back together and making the plans. And there's no guarantee... Some of them may die. They have to go back in time to stop the snap. And some of them, if they go back, they may die in the past and not make it to where they are now. So there's great risk involved. And yet, having convinced each other that it's worth it and coming up with a plan, they decide to go and do it. And you'll have to watch it, but it, it ends well. So, But we have a better promise. We have a guaranteed promise. It's not risky in one sense in that it's always there. God is the one who fulfills his promises for us. So it's worth it, the suffering, the pain that we endure in this life, is what Paul tells Timothy. John Stott puts it this way. So the Christian life is depicted as a life of dying, a life of enduring. Only if we share in Christ's death on earth shall we share in his life in heaven Only if we share his sufferings and endure shall we share his reign in the hereafter. For the road to life is death, and the road to glory is suffering. In short, no cross, no glory. But because of the cross, there will be glory. That's what God promises us. And that's because God is faithful to himself. Second Timothy, the second part of Verse 12 to 13. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. So our Christian culture in the current moment, in many different ways, is saying, be true to yourself. Whatever you think you are, that is what you are. And that's the way that people should treat you. But the biblical perspective is so different than that. The God of the universe created you in his image. You are to be a reflection of him. That's who you are. And that's what's best for you. That's what will give you all the fulfillment that you're searching for and all these other things that you're falsely going after in your life. If you want to find your true self, don't look to what's within. Look to him who made you and has given you the life that you have. But there is someone who has the right to be true only to himself, and that is God. That is exactly what we don't like about him. 
Because who he is is not necessarily what we want him to be. He is God, and there is no other. He calls the shots. But he always acts according to who he is. He's not swayed by our arguments. He's not swayed by whether we believe in him or not. He's not swayed by our prejudices, our wants, what we think we need. He is who he is. He's the person who introduced himself to Moses as, I am who I am. And so there is great, incredible mercy because he is continually working to bring people into a relationship with himself where he gives them life, to live forever in a community that promises everything we could ever want. But there is also unchangeable holiness. To to deny him is to move outside of his protection. Even Jesus says this in Matthew 10, 32 and 33. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. And it's interesting that earlier on in the first chapter of this book, Paul mentions a couple of men who have left the faith, Phygelus and Hermogenes in verse 15. And this brings pain to Paul's heart. It stings him. Just like it probably does for us. We've probably had friends who've professed the faith and are no longer working with Christ anymore. Maybe even people that we've volunteered with at the church or people that we served with in ministry of some sort. Maybe they're people who were part of our wedding party. People who were family members, who are family members. Childhood friends that we were so close with. And yet we think to ourselves and we pray that those people will come back. Isn't God loving? And yes, he is. He calls his enemies to himself, even as we all have been his enemies and brought into relationship with himself. Sometimes uh, I listen to a Christian music station, and right now there are like four or five uh, different songs on the radio right now that are saying uh, nothing is impossible with God. And certainly this is true on level one level. There is nothing that's impossible with God. Anything that he desires to do, he can do, including the salvation of those that we know, that we wish to know Jesus. But there are two footnotes with that, and one is that what he wants, what God wants may not be what we want or what we think he wants. And so he's free. He's free to decide what is good and what is ill. And the other thing is that it's impossible for him to deny himself. He will always act according to his character. If we are faithless, there's a sense in which he is always calling us back, calling us to be with him. And so we do. We struggle with sin in our lives. We struggle with following Christ, even in the specific circumstances that we're in. I know that I often find myself in situations where I and being challenged to acknowledge Christ. And I'm often tempted not to acknowledge him, to live in a way that doesn't point to him, but points to something else. Yet we know that the promises that everyone who receives him will receive life. Whoever turns to Jesus will be saved, even those that we think are beyond 
the reach of his salvation. So we continue to endure. Timothy continues to endure. He tells us to continue to endure in whatever the circumstances are that we are in in our lives so that others may know Christ, so that others may be part of that kingdom, that age that he's bringing, so that this life which is dying in this world will one day be brought to life forever. Because God is faithful to his word, his promises. He's faithful to us for whom he died. And he's faithful to his own character for his glory and for our good. Let's pray together. Lord, these are our words that push us. They push us to pursue you in whatever way we can. And I confess, I don't live my life on this plateau all of the time. I, quite truthfully, uh, like to live as if this is the only world that there is. But we pray by your Spirit that you would push us beyond that. Help us to see you and to know you, to be convinced that there is something far greater for us in this world and in the next. And that Jesus has done it all so that we might be with him and with you and with this body of believers wherever they are in the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.